Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I am your host, Dee. Today on the show, my guest is a freshman offer of the military thriller Soldier Island who splits his time with work, taking care of his family, and giving back to the community through volunteer work with charities. Please welcome to the show, Jaquentin, the author. Hi, thanks for being here. Welcome. How you doing? Fantastic. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. I like how your name is Jaquentin, the author, like um, Tyler, the creator. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. You know, it's funny. Whenever... um, I was talking to my manager, Mr. Steve, Mm -hmm. he kind of threw the idea at me, you know, Jaquentin, the author, you know, I was like, well, that's catchy, you know? So it kind of just stuck with me. Right on, right on. I dig it. I dig it. So, um, following some of your work, um, I, I am meant to understand your, your first book is Soldier Island, right? And it deals with, um, uh, a sergeant and he is dealing with some conspiracies but you also have two other books in the works yes sir i have um the mind phase killer which is kind of like a crime mystery slash thriller mm-hmm. and then i have a book called the Cove- a covenant for pure hearts which is kind of like a sci-fi fantasy mixed with a he- heck of a lot of drama oh okay right on right on and uh do you have a timetable on when those will be released honestly the uh the mind phase killer it's in the publication process right now, awesome. but due to the COVID-19 and everything like that, a lot of things got set back as far as finances and stuff like that. So hoping, I'm hoping by the 2022, by the beginning of that, I can honestly say that it's going to be launched at least sometime that following year. Okay, excellent. So hopefully less than six months and you'll be able to pick up his second novel. If you haven't already picked up his first, take a listen uh, or uh, pick it up and grab a read of Soldier Island. Otherwise, how has life been for you? We're halfway through the year. Uh, how's 21, 2021 been, as, especially as it compares to uh, 2020? Man, it's, it has been a blessing, D. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like 2020, as you know, it put everybody in a setback to the point of not even being able to come outside your house. Right. And so... Whenever I launched um, Soldier Island was like January the 6th of 2020. Like that's right when the pandemic kind of hit. Yeah. And so book signings and promoting the book and all that was really out the window. Mm. 21 though, it's been like a blessing because like I said, we got the, the vaccine now. Right. The, you know, everything is kind of getting back to normal. And as far as the promotion wise, I've been kind of marketing on certain platforms, um, podcasting mm-hmm. as far as reading my book and stuff like that. So excellent. Excellent. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear that there's been you, an upswing for you, man. So tell me about some of the volunteering that you do. Okay. Well, um, right now we're starting this thing called hashtag cleaning up my hood. Okay. And so I'm from like, I'm from the North side of Lufkin. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we're doing, we're trying to clean up the community as far as picking up the paper, mm-hmm. you know, changing the image of what the other side of the tracks look like. Because whenever I can go like to North Timberland, you know, 
like you can tell the total difference from yeah. like whenever you cross the tracks, then you know like you're in the hood. Yeah. And so we're just trying to give back to the local um, youth and everything like that. So excellent, excellent. Yeah. So I I grew up in Chicago, and Chicago's a similar situation where just looking at the buildings in the neighborhood, you can tell where the money from the city stops being funneled into the neighborhoods. You yes, know? sir. And it's like yes, wow, sir. I just. From one side of the street to the other, you can see this is where the money stops. Wow. So yeah, right and on. it's crazy that you can just see that by by just looking, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's intense. So right on, man. I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear. Hashtag cleaning up my hood. Wonderful, wonderful. So if you're in the Lufkin area, um, see if you can't connect, participate in doing some charity work. That always feels good, right? Yes, sir. We love to have you. Cool. All right, so. Let's go ahead and move on to your decision. What was the moment where you made a choice or life made a choice for you uh, where you can still see the impact of that choice to this day? Let's see. Honestly, whenever mm-hmm. I married my wife back in 2015, okay, I, um, it's just been me, you know, from my, I don't have any children biologically. Mm-hmm. And so once I met my wife, you know, I had my three beautiful stepchildren. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of realized I was in the process of already going to school, getting my associate's degree. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of realized that it was just, it wasn't about me anymore. And so I wanted to kind of just build a foundation that when I'm not here anymore, my children can kind of like benefit from, because I've never had anybody in my life to, I guess, think about me or care about me enough. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, not saying like my mom don't, but you know, circumstances with a single mother yeah. you know it's kind of hard but as far as a father figure i never had that positive role male male you know that that male figure in my life to mm. the point to where i could be like hey this is who i want to be like you right. know i always kind of had to tread my own way through the snow right. instead of walking through a path somebody already made and so i just kind of want to do the same right now for my children i want it to be a little bit more easier for them so i would say back in 15 whenever I got married and I actually was committed as being a husband and also being a father and a grandfather now oh, you know and so congratulations. That, that's that would be the answer bro man so you went from no kids to what six years later you're a grandfather yes sir <laughs> what? What has uh, Papa? He called me. What 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 was that like for you? I mean, how, like that's a really quick transition from being just a single yes, dude sir, to dad to granddad. What, what honestly, man? Yeah, be, what was that like? I'm for gonna you? be honest with you. Yeah, it was, it was crazy because like my my children, whenever I came into their lives, Roger, Cameron, and Lexi, you know, mm-hmm. they was already kind of like teenagers, so okay. it was kind of easy to kind of like relate to them because they was teenagers mm-hmm. whenever I first came into their life. So it was easy to kind of relate to them. But mm-hmm. then whenever my daughter had my grandbaby, mm-hmm. you know, it was now having patience and mm-hmm. cause you know, coming from not having to have patience to yeah. meeting patience, mm-hmm. that's a total different ball game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So does, uh, do you, do all three of your kids stay with you guys or are they at the house at this point? Oh no, they're grown now. Okay, so they're all going. They literally got their own lives now. Gotcha. Yes, okay, sir. okay. Because I was, I was wondering. I was, I was curious because, like, if you went from, you know, when you when you married your wife, now you have three kids, but they're all teenagers, and now you're a granddad. 
if if uh, your daughter is staying at home, now you have the experience of having a, a like a, an actual baby in the house. Did you? Oh did... yeah, no, yeah. That's that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, my my grandbaby Boogie, what I call him. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, like maybe like three four years ago, mm-hmm. you know, he was in the house. You know, uh, like okay. I, I had to kind of like, yeah, like he literally. That's why I got his. I think it was Madden sixteen. But it was always a song called I, I'm Not Too Proud to Dance, you know, mm. Boogie Oogie. Gotcha. Boogie Oogie Oogie. And so anyway, he would dance to it. Okay. And so that's where his nickname came from. Fun. Fun. Okay. Okay. So you went from single dude to in just a couple of years, there's a baby in the house. That is your child's baby. Wow. Okay. All right. So the the concept of the show for everybody listening, um, we're going to reimagine life for him making a different choice. Right. So we'll we'll unpack who he was, but when we create the story, maybe maybe he never gets married and maybe he experiences life as a single person and I don't know. Let's see if we'll we'll see who he was at the time and how that might unfold for him, but uh that's 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 generally how we, we build these stories. It's like, all right, we're gonna go the other way. Right. So if that's that's the moment, um Let's see what happens. So how long had you dated your wife before you guys got married? Oh, uh, what? Almost, what, six, about a year. Okay. So when you started dating, she had teenagers, um, and then you guys mm-hmm. got married. Okay. How long before, while you were dating, did you start to take on the role of dad? Because I imagine a, a, a parent with, you know, teen to, to preteen kids, um, it, I imagine it takes some time to warm them up to the idea of like, hey, this is who parent is dating, you know, if if things get serious and yeah. we'll stay together forever, this is new parent for you guys. About how long before, you know, mm-hmm. you were functioning as a father figure for them? I'm going to be honest with you. They got their dad in their life, mm-hmm. and so he's a real good father, you know, like way better than the dad I, you know, I got. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you, and so it was actually kind of easy if if that makes any sense because they already have that father figure, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying to the point to where they know who their daddy is, their daddy is in their life. So now I'm just the extra support as far as an extra ear, like an extra, you know wisdom in the ear every now and then so i didn't really just have to force being dad on them you know they right. acknowledge me to their friends and everything they acknowledge even you know they boyfriends girlfriends they tell them i'm their stepdad and they know that but i didn't really just I, it didn't really just take too long man because i'm the type of person i've you know I, i've been in that situation mm-hmm. when my mama you know had my stepdad and so when i was the i'm the oldest and so whenever he came into the house it was a whole nother ball game because I'm used to being the man of the house. And right. so I knew how to kind of relate to them mm-hmm. and kind of give them that, that soft love to the point to where I earned they trust. Right. And so it didn't really just take too long. I say about a good, about a good three, four months, honestly. Wow. Okay. So three to four months. Okay. I can dig that. Um, and then what was, what was family life like for you? You start dating 
this woman who is now your wife. Um, did mm-hmm. you, you said you're the oldest. How many siblings did you have? I have, on, on my mom's side, I have one. I have my baby brother. But then on my dad's side, me and my baby brother, on my mom's side, we have the same dad. But then we also have an older brother. So I have two brothers. Two brothers? And we, and we all Leos. Oh, oh, yeah? Okay. So that just gives you the idea of how we get along, basically. <laughs> two brothers. One half-brother and then one full-brother, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And then the half brother, um, whose mom is not yours, did did he stay with you guys, or did you just know that he was your brother growing up? We we knew he was our brother, you know, because whenever we would kind of go to my my dad's side of the family, whenever we was little, mm-hmm. you know, we would all go with in the you know around the summertime holidays. Sure. So we knew if we seen each other in the, in, the, in the streets, you know, we know we brothers. Gotcha. Basically. Okay. Okay. And then were you really close with your with your younger brother, the one that you grew up with in the house? Yes, that's that's my that's that's my boy. Yeah. You know, like like I say, we Leo, so we don't get along too well. Our attitudes mm, like sure. are too much alike, I yeah. guess. But I would never let nothing happen to him, you know? Okay. Okay. And then uh were you living alone at the time when you when you started dating your wife? You know what? I was roommating with my best friend while I was at school. I went to ITT Technical Institute mm-hmm. in um, Webster, Texas. Okay. And so me and my best friend, we kind of like roommate it, you know. And so, like I said, I was I was fresh from Lufkin, country boy in the city. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wasn't thinking about, you know, settling down with nothing. I was thinking about my degree sure. and everything like that, what follows after my degree. But mm-hmm. I didn't plan to fall in love and become a dad, you know. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then that being said, uh, what were you, what was the job that you had at the time when you were dating? I was a lower base specialist, um, in a lube shop, you know, I um, worked up under the cars, changing all filters and stuff like that. Okay. Place called car spa. Okay. And then was, um, were you still in ITT or this is after that? No, I was still at ITT. I was going to school and working. I was working in the daytime and then going to school at night. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And then have you have you since been able to like utilize what you learned at ITT in uh, the professional field, or are you focused more on um, writing? Honestly, it's writing, bro. Because like, I whenever I got ready to, I say about my last quarter, whenever I was getting ready to graduate, I, I realized that. I did not want to design buildings like I thought I would, hmm. you know, yeah. like after learning everything that I've learned, which I've learned a lot of things, but I think I I found the love of writing through all the essays and stuff that I had to write while I was getting my degree. Mm. And so it kind of went together in a way, even though it wasn't what I was going to school for. But as far as you utilizing my drafting and designing, no, sir, I don't. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then... Let's see here. And then, so at the time between 24, uh, 2014 and 2015, what were some of your hobbies? What were, what were some of the things that you were into? Uh, 2014. Let me see. Ooh. Yeah. I got to think back. <laughs> uh, let's see. I was working with the Burke Center, man. I was um out like on the road crew. I worked with mental, um, mental health people, like individuals that's mentally challenged mm-hmm. and stuff like that like that 
it's like a workshop. Now, are these men- mentally disabled people or are these people struggling mm-hmm. with mental health issues? Uh, mentally, mentally disabled. And some of them struggle with mental health. You have mental health and then you have mental health and it's another one. I can't think of it, but basically mm-hmm. it's two versions of it, but we dealt with both of them. Gotcha. Okay. So then what, mm-hmm. what was, um, was this volunteer work that you were doing? Uh-uh. No, sir. I was working like at a workshop. You know, I got a check and everything, but gotcha. okay. it didn't feel like it didn't feel like I was getting it didn't feel like I was working. Honestly, it felt like I was more like I felt like they needed me. If I wasn't there, then they wasn't going to be taken care of the proper way. Gotcha. If it's it's kind of like somebody working in a nursing home, you know, mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. And then so you were working at the lube shop going to ITT and you were working at this workshop all at the same time. Uh, no, sir. Okay, was like, this before wait, or after uh, the loop shop? This is this is before, cause like whenever, whenever, like 2014, you know, I was still living in Lufkin at that time, mm-hmm. but I went, I, I left off the ITT Tech around June of 2014. Okay. Okay, and then so you yes. you got married in 2015. You started dating, I'm guessing, in 2014, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 14. But before I moved to Houston. Oh, okay. So if that makes sense. Oh yeah, that's yeah, fine. That's they, fine. So I'm, I'm trying to create like a timeline, of yeah, of all the things. So, Mar- when did you get married in 2015? What time? Of uh, October the second, 2015. Nice. Okay, so we have October of 2015. We got married, and mm-hmm. then in when did you guys start dating? Uh, let me see. Ooh. I'm glad she's not in here. <laughs> well, we started. <laughs> we started dating. Let me see. It was Don't like, worry. I won't. I won't include this bit. Yeah, it's like it was like at the end of 2013. Dang near, like literally, about the beginning of 2000. Right, about around about November 2013, we started. She kind of gave me the time and day. Okay. Shall I say? All right, so November 2013 to October 2015, you guys were dating. All right, so um, when did you? When were you working at the the workshop? Uh, this was what 2000 and I started the 2012, and I left June 2014. Okay, school. Okay, school. No worries. All right. So let's, let's just focus on then of the time period of when you were dating your wife. So between November okay. 2013 and October, 2015. So I'll go back. Um, so what hobbies did you have in and around the time that you were, you know, started dating your wife to the time you got married? I'm trying to piece you together at that time so I can write a story about you then. Okay. I you understand. Know? I understand. Honestly, cool. just a typical guy, man. Like I was young. I was what. Not I was just hitting what twenty three, twenty four almost. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I still was just kind of finding out who I was, you know, like I love football, watching the games. Okay. You know, going out with my friends every now and then, mm-hmm. shooting a little pool. Okay. You know? Yeah, but football, as far as like billiards. hobbies wise, you know, it was just a typical, you know, gotcha. twenty three, twenty four year old still finding out who you are, you know? Right. Did were you one of those guys that played you know like pick up football or pick up basketball games in the park did you um did were, were you one of those guys that played video games did you like enter dart tournaments or pool tournaments stuff like that yeah 
heck yeah, like as far as like um, football wise, you know, I played that through high school. I love watching it on Sundays mm-hmm. and then going to the Friday night, you know, high school games. Okay. But as far as like um, basketball, yeah, you know, every now and then, me and my boys, we go to the park, we play, you know, try to stay in shape. Gotcha. Okay. Because you know, I smoke cigarettes and stuff, so okay. I don't know if that's relevant, but you know. <laughs> All right. And, so yeah, pick so. pick up sports is something that you played. Something that you played. Um, tell me, what kind of music were you out for in 2014? Man, I'm an all genre type dude, man. Like honestly, if you look at me, you probably wouldn't like expect the type of music like that I like to come from a guy like me. You okay. Because I love my country. I love my creed. I love my hinder. I love my, you know, uh, I love my rap, you know, nice. but I'm just a, a R&B. It's just, a, and I think that's what kind of helps me like write the way that I write because it's like, I'm just this all purpose type guy, you know? Okay. Okay. So what's, if, if you're all about whatever, and like, I, I can absolutely relate to that. If, if music has a good melody and a nice groove, I'll listen to it. Right. And like yes, some sir. stuff I'm like, okay, I'm tired of listening to the words. I like, I don't care what you're saying anymore. Um, so I'll move on. But I, I, I get having this willingness to listen to whatever's playing so long as, you know, you can connect with it. Give me, give me some of your, give me three different genres and your favorite song in each genre. Right. So you All mentioned, right. well, I'm, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not good with a genre type dude, but I can give you my favorite songs and I yeah. can give you the artists. How about that? Sure. Okay. We'll do that. Okay. My first one is uh, Maroon 5. Girls like you, that's why guys like me. You sundown. That's one of them. Okay, Maroon and Five. Then, and then my um my other one would be Creed. Uh, my favorite song is One Last Breath. I love that song, man. Yeah. And then, let me see. And let me move to my rap. If I, you know, it's, I'm gonna go to country because rap. I can't just. I'm, I'm gonna go to country. I love my country, man. Yeah. I like a Luke Combs. You know, that boy can sing, man. And his favorite thing is, my favorite thing from him when he first came out was She Got the Best of Me, uh, One one Number Away, and then what's another one? Must Have Never Met You. So. All right. All right. Luke Combs. All right. Yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy, man. I'm into it. I'm into it. Okay. All righty. Um, so, it's 2014. You're going to school at night. You are working at the lube shop. What is a typical day for you? What does it look like? Are you an early riser? You know, do you like have a diary that you write in every morning? Do you drink a cup of coffee and sit on your front steps and just look at the neighborhood? Give me a, a, a typical morning. This is your routine. Okay. And this is 2014, right? Yeah. All right. 2014, I was waking up, had to get me up. I had to get me a Coke and I had to have a cigarette when I first got up. Coke and it's a It's always going to be early bird because my papa always told me early bird going to get the worm. Okay. So whenever the sun rises, I got to be on my feet. And wow. plus my job started at nine o'clock. So. I like that. When the sun rises, I got to be on my feet. Were you, you're, you're working like typical five to six days a week. And then how many times a week were you having classes? Uh, I had classes Monday through Friday. Oh, snap. And then, um, yeah, it was literally like Monday through Friday because um, I was doing just a couple of extra things, though, as far as like uh, with project management and stuff like that, working mm-hmm. with other kids on other projects and stuff like that, you know. So 
as far as I was always there at school. And then my work schedule was basically Monday through Friday also. And so it kind of helped, you know, helped me out in a way. And every every other Saturday, I would probably work, but I was always, you know, out from school. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Wow. Those are busy days, my guy. Those are busy I had days. to, man, because I was living in Houston, bro. <laughs> you know, and I'm from the country. Okay. So you can get loose out there and get sidetracked very easy. You gotcha. Know? Okay. Okay. So that's good to remember that you were, all of this was happening in Houston. So you met your wife in Houston. Or no, no. Yes, you, sir. You met her in well, Houston. Well, she's from Houston. Okay. Yeah, so she's from Houston. Houston okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now we... We talked a little bit. You mentioned how um, you learned that you designing buildings was not for you. So um, before you learned that, what was what was your projection for yourself? What did you imagine? This is what I'm going to do with my life. I mean, this this is why you're going to school. This is why you're working so hard. What was what was the thing that you were working toward at that time? Honestly, I was working towards being at that time. I was really working towards being just the first one out of my family to do something with myself. You know, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of be the opposite of what society expected me to be. And so I just wanted to, like I say, follow my own path. And so I knew that getting a higher education, even if it was, cause like I say, drafting and designing was kind of like, uh, oh yeah, I'll do that because all the other things didn't sound like me. Okay. You know, and I figured that once I go alone, I probably will find out what was truly for me, which I end up doing. So I was really just, the, the, I guess, I don't know, just the ambition of being something different, man, being something that I always felt like I can be, you know? So, I was like a great man one day. Here, here's a real talk question. You said that you right. you wanted to defy what you thought was expected of you. How much yeah, be the opposite of what society expected. Okay, so how much time did you spend entertaining what you thought was expected of you before you were Honestly. like, you know what, I don't, I actually don't want to do that. I wanna, I wanna do the opposite. How much time did you spend really like in that mindset of, well, this is what's expected of me, so this is what I'm gonna do. It's it's been like this since I can remember, man. Because like I say, I didn't have the positive role models around me. Okay. But I always knew that's not what I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? Because I had so many people make mistakes around me that I learned from their mistakes. Okay. So I've always been a leader. I've never, I've never been a follower. And so I always had my own mind frame. And so I knew, like I said, that trouble was easy to get into, but it was hell to get out of. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that if I got into any type of trouble, it could affect my future one day. Okay. And so, like I said, I guess by the age of, shoot, I guess what, 12, when you really just start becoming a young man, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, you went silent. I say, can you hear me? Oh, now I can. Yeah. So you, yeah, go, I say by the age, go ahead. Go ahead. I say by, by the, the age, age of 12, of, by the age of 12, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to be, you know, different. Like I said, cause I had a lot of people that was bad examples. You mm-hmm. know, I, I'm not talking bad about them, about their mistakes that they made, sure. but you know, I learned from their mistakes, shall I say. Okay. Okay. So you said you wanted to be the first person in your family to make something of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Did you did you have any examples? You gave me a positive example from your 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 papa. You said how he told you you know the early bird gets the worm. Um, mm-hmm. Was there anyone in your family like right now? If you think about it, 
uh, that made something of themselves to the extent that you're like, you know what? I can see that this is something that can be done because someone I know did it. No, sir. I ain't got nobody. Nobody? Okay. I'm, I'm just being honest with no, you. No, that's man. fine. That's fine. Okay. So then who, who did you model yourself and your aspirations after then? Or was it just Honestly, literally no like, okay. No, he, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I would say my papa, but the reason why I say that is because, see, my grandfather died when I was young. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of things that I want to remember, I can't remember of him. You know, I remember, you know, certain th- things that he would tell me sitting there watching video, um, you know, um, Long Ranger and Bonanza with him, yeah. Walker, Texas Ranger. But like, as far as whenever I became a young man, he was already, you know, gone. Mm. And so I didn't really just have the pleasure of having him to be that extra guidance that I probably needed, you know, as far as being, you know, a young black man growing up in the nineties, you know? Yeah. In the early two thousands. Yeah. So when did you first realize that you could get out? Right. <sighs> Let me see. About 2000. I'll say around about 2014, honestly. Well, I wouldn't say 14. I would say about 2013, honestly, because I went to school, like I said, in 2014 of mm-hmm. June. So I knew, like, in that process, I knew, like, hey, Lufkin is, you know, my home. I love it here. But I, I will never be able to find out who I'm going to truly become unless I get outside my comfort zone. Okay. And so Houston was, like, being outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of found out what type of man I was going to be because I was there, you know, by myself, which, you know, I had my, my wife at the time, which was my girlfriend. But, right. you know, we wasn't on the point of living with each other and stuff like that at the time yet, you know? Right. And so... Okay. Okay, so it took it took a, until you decided to go to school. I mean, there was just a moment where you're like, okay, I can get out of this. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do yeah. it. Okay. I'm into it. All right, so Heck that yeah. that being said, so we know what you were looking for. You were looking to get out of the pigeonhole of what you imagined society is like. No, no, this is this is the box that you are. And this is the box you have to live in. And so your practical life steps were to not be defined by that box. You wanted to get out. Yes, sir. You wanted to better yourself. You wanted to make something of yourself. So that being said, what were the lofty, like unattainable, this is a ridiculous thing to want, but I want it anyway. What were the dreams that you had at the time? I'm talking like when people say reach for the stars, this is like in another galaxy. This is the thing that you were yeah. like, oh, man. Honestly, it would be being a successful writer, man. Like whenever I found the like, whenever I really found out that hey, I'm a good writer, because it start my book started out as a poem for my wife, huh? and it ended up becoming like this amazing story. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized that I like I've been blessed with that ability to be able to create these amazing stories like this, to be a Tyler Perry or you know a uh, a black Steven Spielberg, you know, be able to write my own movies one day, that would probably kind of be reaching for the stars. You know, once I really found out that this is what my calling in my life is. And so holding strong to this is reaching for the stars because as you know, when you start out from the bottom, you know, you never know if you're ever going to make it. Right. You know, you never know if you're going to get far off the ground or not. But when you have faith, 
mm-hmm. and believe that this is what's for you. I just feel like God provide the the bridges for you. So I would say really in my writing right now, okay. becoming a, just this known great black, you know, Arthur, man. When did you, when did you start writing this poem for your wife? Uh, that was what? Ooh, let me see. Soldier Island got published in 2020, but it was like three years almost. So I say by 2017, I would say. Okay, so this is two years after you already got married. You were already done yeah. with with school. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so when did you? I graduated in 2016. Okay, when did you start to imagine that you could write? To make a living. Once I started writing the mind phase killer, and it became this story of, I guess like defiance and like just this thriller, and I realized that like my imagination is something worth, you know, holding on to. I guess. Okay. And was that one Soldier Island? Was that one before Soldier Island or after? No, this was after Soldier Island because, like I say, Soldier Island, as far as like you know, it being published and everything like that, mm-hmm. like once that got published, you know, I was still in the process of like, you know, it takes a whole year for a book basically kind of to be published. So mm-hmm. I was sitting there like, what's next? Right. You know. Yeah. Okay. And then I started writing the Mind Phase Killer to kind of take my mind off of the time frame of how long it takes for the dang book to be published. You know. Gotcha. Okay. Alrighty. And then. So growing up, Lufkin is a pretty small town, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Coming from a small town, what is what is your favorite, like, small town country bumpkin facet of who you are? That's southern hospitality. Okay. You know, I'm I'm kind, I'm generous, I'm respectful to my elders. Okay. You know, I come from a household of old school raising, shall I say. Sure. So, like, when you meet me and you think about Texas, mm-hmm. like, I think I could be that perfect, perfect example of Southern hospitality, shall okay. I say? Okay. All righty. And then, if that's the case, what hit me with your ideal Sunday dinner? Hmm, what? <laughs> Let me see. Cause my mama can throw down, bro. Let me see. Okay. Yeah. Hit, hit, hit me with that. I would say I would take my mama meatloaf okay. with some red beans. No, ranch-style beans, ground meat, roasted tomatoes. She add all that together with her favorite, with her mustard greens Ooh. and some sweet cornbread. And then we, we good. And have a Coke on the side and I'm good. Okay. So meatloaf, some mustard greens, some sweet cornbread. Mm-hmm. And red beans mixed with roasted tomatoes and ground meat. Oh, okay. So you had meatloaf. Yeah. And you had red beans with meat. Mm-hmm. Y'all I'm telling you, like the way my mama cooked, bro, mm-hmm. you will have it too. I promise. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh man, that sounds incredible. <laughs> All right. All right. So. Got my mouth watering. Right. Boy, she at work today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, if you were. If you were going to host a few of your guys, right? So this is before you got married. It's 2014, between 2014, 2015. 
you you realize okay i have a free day my mom's is she went out of town to go do something so i can't drive up to lufkin and get some dinner with her on sunday um i'm gonna invite a few friends over to have some dinner what are you making for sunday dinner be honest with you what am i ordering (laughs) 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 i ain't gonna lie to you d we'll be ordering anything we in houston so you know you got so many options sure yeah i love it okay all right oh man i lived in so i lived in in dallas for a couple years and this was in 2002 to 2004 and one of my favorite restaurants and this like it still makes me smile when i think about it to this day just outside of dallas was this place called sweet georgia brown and Uh it was like it's typical like soul food you walk in you grab a cafeteria tray and there's a bunch of people behind the counter and they have like a bunch of like hot tins ready and you're like okay i want because you get like two meats and like four sides and so you're like this 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 oh my man i had like i ate until i was painfully full and i took enough home to eat until i was painfully full the next day again yeah i know huh? so <laughs> man I, i'll tell you what and then that's that, that's amazing when you can go eat and get full and then know you want to take some home mm-hmm. for leftovers for the next day yep yeah oh it was so good i miss it like i think about it all the time i'm like oh, i need to get back down there and try and find that place again so i can eat that <laughs> again you won't find it up north my man huh Miff. Not like that. Not like that. Yes, sir. Oh, man. All right. Which I, th- I want to come up north one day. I've never been up north, man. What? Yeah, I'm honestly, bro. When I tell you, I've literally never left. The only state that I've been outside of Texas is Louisiana. Really? Yes, sir. Oh, snap. Yes, sir. Man, we got to get you in a car and down the road. There's, I know, huh? and I love so driving. Much. That's the crazy part about oh, it. Plus, man. I got my license. My my guy, there's there is so much, there is so much to see, for sure, for sure. All right. So that being said, I think we're, I think we're at a good place, where I have some pretty good information that I can take, and create a story for you. So good, All right. So at this point of the show, we're gonna take a quick break. We're going to listen to a little bit of music. When we come back, we're going to listen to the story that I will have written for Jaquentin, the author, and we'll talk about it. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hang out just a few moments. We'll be right back. Four horses a day Get carried away I want to lift myself up on this shelf in my name It all sounds the same And I could be in a window with someone else And don't you want to live in a bed of all these weeds In a bed you know you'll always follow is a day get carried away I want to lift myself up on this shelf chanting my name it all sounds the same and I could be in a window with someone else and 
I hope you enjoyed that brief musical break. We are back now with my guest, Drew Quentin, the author. If you'd like to follow him on social medias, his Facebook like page is Drew Quentin, the author. He is also on Instagram as Drew Quentin. That is J-E-R-K-W-E-N-T-O-N underscore the underscore author. And on TikTok as well. Uh, on TikTok, you do more of your like community work. Tell me a little bit about that, yeah? Yeah, um, it's called hashtag cleaning up my hood or hashtag C-U-M-H 2021. And what we do is, is that we're trying to give back to the community as far as like my neighborhood. But we're also trying to change the image because whenever you come across the tracks, mm-hmm. you kind of can notice the difference between like the neighborhood, like right. you're coming into the hood. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, our biggest thing is, is that I put together with the Angelina Burke industry Mm-hmm. Um, we're going out and we're picking up trash and stuff like that nice. to try to just, like I say, kind of give a different perspective, you know, to the younger generation also, because I want to kind of install that into them to mm-hmm. let them know that you do have like a positive example to look, look at, you know, yeah. because I come from the same neighborhood that you came from, Right. but I'm not a basketball player and I'm not a football player. I'm somebody that's using my mind and the guy given talents that he gave me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then you, when we were off the air, we were talking about um, this past weekend and you had mentioned how over, um, over the um, Memorial Day break, you had um, spent some time, you, you even got a donation from somebody to uh, yeah. help you with your efforts. Uh-huh. Brookshire Brothers. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Brookshire Brothers. Mm-hmm. This is more of a down south thing, but you're from Texas. So yeah. you may have heard of Brookshire Brothers, mm-hmm. but um, yes, sir, they um, donated 10 cases of water to us. And so that's 300 bottles that we have so far for the summer. Nice. Nice. That's great. That's it. It's really good when you spend time giving into the community and then the different businesses partner with you and they're like, Hey man, I see the work you're doing. I want to participate in some of that. Here you go. Heck yeah. And it's funny you said that though, D because like that's, that's the whole mission is kind of like get the businesses behind it Mm -hmm. so that like the people from my neighborhood, Cause you hear it all the time. Oh, they don't care about us. They don't care about what goes on over here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm just trying to show them by connecting with these businesses, they do care, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what makes the businesses kind of quick to be like, you know, yeah, let me, let me help out because this is a way for us to kind of show your neighborhood that we care. You know, it's like a big circle. Yeah. Awesome. That's great, man. That's great. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah. I'm really happy for the work that you're doing. Excellent. Are you um are you ready for your story? Because it's coming. You ready? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm ready, my man. Excellent. All right, here we go. This is the story of other Jaquentin. <laughs> I got you. Houston in the summertime is most often spent indoors, safe from the choking warmth of the precipitous mornings. The Bay Area Boulevard apartment other Jaquentin shares with his two roommates trapped the heat of the morning and baked them. The sun rose and peered precisely through the cloud cover into Other Jaquentin's bedroom. As the light of the sun crept along his floor, up his bed, and directly into his eyes, his belabored breathing vibrated the walls with the roars of his snores and choking on the wet morning air. His eyes, pried open by a brazen morning sun, hazily pieced the room together as he pulled himself upright and sat at the edge of his bed. 
standing slowly, his arms hung loosely at his side, and he shuffled over to his window to close it and head out into the kitchen to turn on the air conditioner, before remembering the HVAC system went down earlier this week, and he and his roommates are still waiting on their landlord to send someone out. Frustrated, he slowly made his way back to his bedroom, lifted the window, and silently complained about the discomfort the Houston summer air would bring. Other Jaquentin huffed and puffed as he headed to the fridge for his regular breakfast, a tall, ice-cold glass of Coca-Cola. As he made his way through the kitchen, he noticed the fridge is open. Derek, one of his roommates, slept on the floor with the refrigerator cracked, spilling its cool air onto his face. Derek, come on, man. You can't sleep there. We're all hot. You're going to waste everything in the fridge, man. Other Jaquentin complained. He continued, you're going to drive our light bill up. Who's going to replace all the food? Derek, undisturbed, snores peacefully while cuddled with himself in a fetal position, resting his head on his arm and his thumb in the thumb of the other planted firmly in his mouth. Other Jaquentin rolled his eyes in annoyance and laughed at the thought of his grown roommate sucking his thumb sleeping in front of the fridge, only because he was likely too large to fit inside. He pulled the door open just enough to slide his arm in and grab one of his colas. Hmm, kind of cold, I guess, he reflected out loud. Whatever, let's just get this day started. He closed the door hard enough to disturb Derek and shuffled past him. He made his way to the balcony facing the busy street and pulled a cigarette from the small plastic baggie that sat permanently secured to the railing. He retrieved the matchbox from, inside, from the inside baggie. Only one match left. You better light and stay lit. Well, please, Mr. Match, will you light and stay lit? He pleaded with the last means of fulfilling his breakfast. He held his breath and struck the match. It flickered and then roared as vibrantly as a single match could. He watched it dance on the end of the phosphorus stick. It called to him seductively. He lit a cigarette and drew deeply on it. Without removing it from his mouth, he blew the smoke over the dancing flame. Not today, Satan, he sternly scolded the match. A smirk crawled out from his pursed lips and sat comfortably on his face throughout the morning's meal. When he was done smoking, he buried his butt in the sand-filled planter he bought at the hardware store next to, his, next to his lube shop. He'd become friendly with one of the guys there. He also smoked, and they would often take breaks at the same time. 1.15 p.m., share a laugh and have a cig. Some time later, other Jaquentin stood in front of his apartment completely spent. His arms weighed a thousand pounds, and he struggled to yank his hand from his pockets to check his watch. His belabored breathing started... <clears throat> His labored breathing starved his system of oxygen. Everything in front of him began shrinking to a point in the center of his vision. Blackness enveloped him. He swayed to the song of his granddad, reminding him that Lufkin was not the end of the world. Boy, hear me. Lufkin is not the end of the world. It happens to be your beginning, but it is not even really the beginning of the world. You know all those books they have you reading in school? Those are stories. You have your own story. Hear me well, boy. You are, n you are the only one who's going to know your whole story. Only you. You need to be the hero of that story. You see all those men here in Lufkin? What are they doing? Nothing. You want to do nothing? No, boy, you don't. And I know you don't. You're going to forget this conversation. I can't control that. But if you ever remember anything I tell you, remember this. If you want to get out of this place, out of this life, this is only one chapter in your lifelong story. It is going to take some work to get you out, but the work is not too hard. You just have to start early and work all day. The early bird gets the worm. Even if you don't get that worm, though, you can still eat. 
You just need to be early to eat what you want. Now go on. Go play. The shape of his granddad became more and more amorphous as the years passed. He struggled through his exhaustion to fill in the gaps. He tried to rebuild his granddad's face, but nothing came. He pawed at the keys in his pocket, unable to retrieve them. As if imprisoned in a waking dream, he silently stood at his door, staring at the peephole. Come on, other Jaquentin, get moving. Pull that arm out of that pocket right now, he commanded. He slinked his pinky through him, one of the key rings and twisted his bo body to force his hand out. He lifted the key to the lock and slid it in expertly. He pushed through the door and made his way to his bedroom and collapsed onto his bed. He stared out the open window. The bedroom walls radiated heat trapped therein throughout the warm day. His body became saturated in sweat, and it poured from his flesh, soaking his bedding. Too exhausted to care, he pulled his pillow under his head and drifted off to sleep. Other Jaquentin headed into the dean's office of his vocational school. He knocked quietly and pushed the door open. Sir, you wanted to see me? A plaque with Ansel Harrington, Dean, emblazed on it, draws the eyes to its shiny gold-plated frame, sat on the edge of a large cherrywood desk. Dean Harrington smiles wide and stands from behind his desk. Please come in. I'm so glad you came so quickly here. Sit. He motioned toward a pair of chairs facing his... Uh, on the opposite side of the desk. Thank you, sir. I wasn't sure what this was about. Other Jaquentin slowly made his way into the office and cautiously sat. Dean Harrison occupied the chair next to his and leaned in. Have you been keeping track of your grades? I'm sure you have. You're in the top 2% of all our students. I've been watching you these last few weeks. You're exhausted, but you keep pushing. I want you to know I'm proud of you. Not only that, part of our agreement with students is job placement. I'm sure you were aware of this. Oh, yes, sir. That is one of the reasons I decided to come here. Excellent. Well, there's a firm here in Houston that saw some of your work. How? Other Drew Quentin questioned. Well, Dean Harrison continued, I submitted some of your designs to them. They loved them. Confused, Other, Jim, uh, Other Drew Quentin asked, I don't, I don't understand. Why, why would you do that? To be honest, the job placement is a win-win situation. The school receives a small finder's fee for everyone we submit to businesses that go on to hire them. We train you, then we place you. You pay us for the training, and they pay us for your placement. If I'm truly candid, we don't place everyone. We pretty much stick to those of our students that are outperforming their classmates. You, for example. Shocked, other Jacquentin whispered, thanks, I guess. Graduation's on Tuesday of next week, Dean Harrison reminded. Your interview, which is more of formality than anything right now, with PBK is on Wednesday. Beep, beep. Other Jacquentin's eyes widen. What? Dean Harrison repeats, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Other Jaquentin is jolted awake. His alarm clock rang out loudly. His body, stiff from the short nap, fought against its, his stretching. The time on his clock reads 6.58 a.m. He quickly changed his clothes and ran out of his apartment with a cola in one hand and an unlit cigarette in the other. His ride to work in the morning usually began in the dark so he could watch the sunrise from the Greenway Plaza parking lot of his job. The sun already climbing in the sky baked the streets below with its warmth. His tall, ice-cold cola in one hand, the steering wheel of his car in the other, he drove to work at PBK, as he always did, eager for the day, tired from the day before, and ready for anything. The end. Thank it, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it. Hey, bro. Like, I like that. That that was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like... It literally like 
especially when you start talking about like my grandpa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like that kind of that that hit home, man. Because you know, like I said, like I told you, you know, he was, you know, I was not really at the age of knowing what a man is about when mm-hmm. I lost him. So to kind of like these, like to this very day, right now, you know, I still remember things he told me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, to kind of remember his face, you know, it's. What I see on pictures is cool, but like in my mind, you know, I I just it's like I just see a figure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I know what you mean though, bro. Yeah. Dang, man. I, I like that, bro. Good. That that hit right on the head, man. Good. I'm glad. Heck yeah. I'm it's glad. crazy too, because it's like watching, listening to someone write a biography about me, but it's like it's it's in a whole nother, you know, time frame or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny you say that about the um, the grandfather. Like recently, within the last couple of weeks, I was trying to remember what my granddad looked like, my dad's dad, and I couldn't. And I had this image in my head, and I started to explain it to my family on like a family Zoom call, and they were like, "No, that's that's not it." I was like, "What? Yes, it is." <laughs> and they were like, "Nah, man, you need to get a you need to get a photograph because that's that's not quite right." And I was like, "Oh man." You know, yeah. it had been so long since I had seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, man, he must have. What you mean? Bro. Yeah. So I was like, shoot. So I imagine that was going to be the same thing for you. Just yeah, like we have that image in our head and it starts to morph as we get older. And all the faces that we see, you know, if if like if you remember his eyes. Right. And then you see somebody mm-hmm. that has similar eyes. Now the image of your grandfather might take on that shape. Right. Yeah. That I'm, sort of thing. I know exactly. So, yeah, a lot of people say that that I look exactly like him, like my granny, my mama. Yeah. And so, like, when I look at myself, you know, and I look at a picture, we have the same eyes, like, when it comes down to just that that demeanor. But, yeah, you know, it's like he got a shape of how I would look older, basically, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean, brother. Oh, man. I appreciate that, man. Like I said, that that was an amazing story, bro. Right on. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just figured that if you it so in in this in this universe, uh, you were never dating your wife. I noticed that. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so she wasn't here at all. It was just you and your roommates, and then you're at school, and then you got this job, and that's it. I noticed that, bro. And it's crazy too, because it's like you said, like that's just like me. Really, that's kind of like before I met my wife mm-hmm. type time frame. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It could have, like, what could have been, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, it's at that moment of what could have been after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Because if you could, if you would have, you could have continued to keep, like, keep writing, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. probably end up writing everything we probably discussed. You yeah. Know? It seemed like you got the talent for that, like, oh, right yeah. there. Thanks. You know, coming from an author myself, too. So mm-hmm. trust me. I visualize yeah. everything that you that you read me. Good, good. Yeah, I just, I've noticed that like it, the way that I see stories in my head uh, is from like um like a cinematic perspective, right? Everything, okay. every story that pops in my head happens like a movie, right? Got so, it. <laughs> <laughs> that you sound like me. My bad, bro. Yeah. Okay, you exactly like me. Yeah. I'm so. That's that's how I do it. So like I like part of me also wants to write in like okay, so the camera starts here and then it pans up and this is what we see, you know. So mm-hmm. trying yeah. to 
not include that, but still write it in a cinematic way. I, get, I, I let myself get caught up in that, which I think is pretty funny. But I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's how I see it. That's that's how it's fun. So like I was debating on how you would sit, you know, so it, so in my head, I'm watching you because you said you start your day with a Coca-Cola and a cigarette. I'm watching you, yeah. you know, you got the bottle of the Coca-Cola between two fingers on one hand and the cigarette between two fingers on the other hand and your elbows are resting on the railing and you're just leaning forward, you know, mm-hmm. taking your drags, staring at the park sort of, or the busy street or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. I got Interstate 45, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, yeah. yeah. Got you. So, it's, it's funny, you know, because, like, even if nothing is said for me, it's fun to just, like, describe all of that in my head. And then some, some of it makes it to the paper, but some of it doesn't just because I'm like, oh, man, I love the idea of this is, <laughs> this is what's happening. You know. I got you. And you know what's crazy too, bro? What's that? I think you probably would like you would like Soldier Island because every every word mm-hmm. that like I, you know, I can't I, don't get me wrong, I know my book like the back of my hand, but when it comes down to quoting mm-hmm. quoting my own words is more difficult than describing the scene to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. what I what I visualize. It's like it's like an addiction. Like whenever I'm in writing mode, like on the Mind Face Killer, a covenant for pure hearts. Whenever mm-hmm. I like, whenever I'm in that mode of writing, it's it's like a movie that that's like on pause, and it's like it's addictive, and I gotta get this movie. You know, when you when you get to watching a movie and then you gotta press pause to go use the bathroom, you can't wait to get back to the couch to press play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, yeah. I got you. Yeah, no, I got you. Thank you again. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. So, let's say let's say this is what happened. What do you think would have happened next? Right. Huh. What What do you think? Would right. I, so, are you familiar with PBK? PBK. What's PBK, man? So, PBK is one of the largest or like most well known like architecture firms. I remember that you had said oh, that you were doing okay. drafting and okay, stuff. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. 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 Gotcha, gotcha. So I so I was just like looking up. Um, all right. Like, what are some of the biggest architecture firms? And I saw that number two on the list was PBK in Houston. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, what are the chances there's a major architecture firm in Houston? You know, so he's going there. That's where he works. Yeah. So, so uh, let's say that you're, you're working at this company. You're working like a dog because that is, that's your work ethic. You get up early, you know, you start your day early because early bird gets the worm. And then you're, you're just, you're busting your butt all day long. You go home so exhausted. You pass out just enough time to get up, get ready for work and go back to it. What's, what, what happens next in, in that Jaquentin's life? What, what do you think happens next? Honestly, if I'm as dedicated as I am to my future right now, mm-hmm. as I am in, in that reality, mm-hmm. I feel like I probably would bust my ass, like probably for the next year or so before I get promoted to damn near running it. And mm. if I'm not running it, then I'll be moving on to trying to think about opening up my own firm. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that that's that's how you would have pursued that reality. Yeah, that's how you that's how you think you would have pursued that. So like if you would have been just dedicated to the work, it was so that you could, you know, be in charge so you could be running things. You're not just trying to have a job and work no. and go home. You're trying to, I want to be the boss sort of thing. 
yeah, it's 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 not just necessarily as far as being a boss, but mm-hmm. I always think of like okay, say for example, I know that like the ones before me, as far as my granddad, my mm-hmm. dad, my uncles, they never established a platform for me, my brothers, my cousins, for mm-hmm. our generation to kind of lean up on in order, you know, not just starting from the bottom because that's what most families like that's in some type of wealth or right. that's wealthy in some type of way. Yeah. They they grandparents pretty much left that, you know, for them. Yeah. And so that's been my whole goal is to kind of like lead my way through the snow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That way the next person behind me, the footsteps won't be so hard to come yeah. out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's, that's my whole goal is to kind of like leave a legacy. A legacy will last forever. Mm-hmm. I always feel like my name was some, sometimes will fade with the, the generations, but my, my deeds and what I do, my legacy mm-hmm. that I always last, you know? Yeah. That's it right there. So. That's it. So like the concept of generational wealth starts with, with that. Right. It does, bro. Yeah. Does. And like a lot of familial equity comes with like land ownership. Right. So whatever, like, even if you don't have a job or even if your kids never get a job, like their equity is, is built on what you leave them. Right. So if you leave them land, their equity is already established and built on that land, you know, that they can sell or just the fact that they own it. So my man, I, that's it. That's it right there. Leaving a legacy, but you know, paving your way through the snow to leave something for your, you know, setting up systems for the next generation. It's, it's, it's so important. It's so important to kind of build through that. And because that's, that's what props up, you know, everyone that comes after you, like we get into these perpetual Mm -hmm. cycles of whatever, right? So whatever, whatever um, institutions were set, right. That they set the rules. And now 10 generations later, we're still feeling the impact of the rules set by all those back there, you know? So now as we change it, you know, as things are changing, you know, it's, it's every generation's duty to set up, you know, for the next, for the next, for the next, which is, which is interesting because, you know, the idea of a biblical principles of uh, like, blessed is the man who like sets up like an inheritance for his grandkids or I I don't remember exactly the quote, but that's, that's the concept that I always remember. (laughs) Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's setting that thing up for your grandkids, you know. Mm-hmm. So a that, wise man will leave it. Yeah. So I appreciate that, man. That's that's great. That's great. Thank and you, that's man. that's 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 fun that you would that that's how you would do it. And I, like I love the idea of you saying how it's like, oh well, if I wasn't going to be running SBK, this major, you know, uh, firm, then I'm just I'm going to go start my own firm, you know. Having something to pass down, having a family business that, you know, is a successful thing that you can pass on to the next generation or at least train up your kids like, hey, this is the work that I do. This is the thing that we own, that we run. Let yes. me walk you through it. This is, this, your last name is on this too. You know? Right. Yeah. I like that. Brother. Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Appreciate that's great. You. Yeah, man. So was there was there anything else that stuck out that you wanted to? To chat about? Uh, you talking about as far as like with the story? Yeah, I mean, what you got? Some, if you got oh, something yeah. else? <laughs> yeah, I ain't gonna lie. It was I ain't gonna lie. Like with the Coca Cola, you know what I'm saying? And then I ain't gonna, that 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 hit on the head. But what really gets me is with my roommates because you said that um 
Derek laid out on the floor, keeping the refrigerator open. Yeah. Ain't a lie. The light bill was in my name. We would have had a problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> that means he would have been running up the light bill, dog. Mm-hmm. We would have had a problem. <laughs> yep. That stuck, that stuck out to me. I ain't going to lie, man. Because, yeah, dog, you going to have to help me with about a good $20 on the light bill. Mm-hmm. For sure. Bad enough, we all in here sweating. And then right. you go get the last little air that we got to be able to keep our drinks cold. Right. Oh, yeah, we got a, we got a problem, dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that's <laughs> that's like so like last last summer uh was really hot here in Chicago. And because I mean of the pandemic, we were stuck inside, right? And so for like I want to say July and August, it felt like it was a hundred degrees every day. And so we just we just sat here with the air conditioning on and like looking at that bill, I was like, "Oh, maybe I should just I like s- sweat and just live in a bathtub of cold water," because <laughs> man, this hard. <laughs> and you know what's crazy with you saying that, bro? Because like, say for example, you being up north, mm-hmm. you would think that the kilowatts is like totally different than what it what it would be down here in the south, you know? Because you know our summers, like right now, say for example, it's like ninety degrees. Ugh get humidity yeah and that's what makes it so so crazy which yeah. you know you you, you don't live in dallas mm-hmm. you know which that's up north a little bit but it's still texas yeah still texas heat you know yeah yeah when i lived yeah. in colorado and it would get hot it would still it was dry so it was easier to deal with than choking on mm-hmm. that wet summer air like i was in atlanta for a while and ugh, atlanta in the summertime I- is the worst Yes, sir. You know, that's, so that's yeah, just all of that sticky heat where, you know, if you if you have any meat on your bones, you can hear the rubbing of your legs as you walk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Heck yeah. that's the one thing I don't have to worry about. I think that's that's where I benefit from in the summer because yeah. I, I can really I can literally wear pants like jeans all year round. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even if I'm out working in but it's just because I'm I'm not just a, a heavy set guy. I'm kind of I'm more of a thin type. Gotcha. Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh man. <laughs> you hear that? All of yeah, you skinny that's... people living in in super hot climates. You're so lucky. You you so lucky. <laughs> Heck yeah. Oh man. And you lying, brother. That's great. For real. Oh. But sure. Other than that, though, D. Like I said, man, the story was amazing. You know, I really like it. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. shoot. I think this is a good place to bring things together, to wind it down. Uh, his book, Soldier Island, is out for sale now. Please pick it up. Read it. Give me give me, give me, me a little bit of soundbite about Soldier Island right quick so people have an idea. Okay. Well, it's a sci-fi thriller based mm-hmm. off of scientific events and government conspiracies. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergeant Major Larry Smith and his team of knights are sent to the, the remote location. The mission is to report to Dr. Zan, who is a brilliant scientist who found a way to redirect cancer cells and secure the area from hostile enemies. Once they get there, they they find out that the they have um, ex-military soldiers who were diagnosed with cancer and their bodies mutated, and so they'll stop at nothing to destroy everything. But the government that he served could also be behind it. And so now Sergeant Major Larry Smith have to go against everything that he knows 
including sacrificing his life, the life of his friends, and the ones that he loved the most. Well, that sounds serious. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets deep. It's, it's like, like I said, it's action packed, man. Like, yeah. it's like a roller coaster. I like to consider it because, like, you know, you have creatures that lurk in the shadows. You know, so mm-hmm. they have eyes as red as the tail light, and their bodies as torn, but they walk upright. You know, and so it's like, it's it's a sci-fi thriller. You know, it's gonna keep you at the edge of your of your seat, but it it will also touch your heart too because I feel like. Everything that I do, right, I write from the soul anyway. So Good. I feel like, you know, to connect with my readers, you know, awesome. I like for you to, like you say, it's a movie, mm-hmm. you know, it's a movie that I, that I can, that I see. And I'm just really writing this vision like Picasso would do a painting, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So there you have Thank it. You. Soldier Island sci-fi thriller that'll keep you on the edge of your seat. It'll touch you in your heart place. And if you, if you're a visual reader, this should be a nice, delicious snack for you so that you can yes, you know, get through. Awesome. Yeah. Check it out. Soldier Island. Follow him on his social medias. Um, it is at Jerquentin underscore the underscore author. Again, that is J-E-R-K-W-E-N-T-O-N underscore the underscore author on Instagram and TikTok. And you can find his like page. If you uh, search up Jerquentin, the author, you'll find him. Uh, and you can follow him there and interact with him there. Uh, but otherwise, thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Appreciate you guys checking out another episode of Other You. Follow the podcast on Twitter at uh, Other You Podcast or on Instagram at Other You underscore podcast. Uh, there's a Discord server if you're interested in that. Uh, hit me up on either of those platforms and I'll send you an invite and you can check out some of the updates there. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week with another episode. For Ju Quentin, I am D. We out. Bye.